Amen. Turn your Bibles with me this morning to Jeremiah chapter 29. Jeremiah chapter 29. I believe I've got a word for the, from the Lord for us today and just really felt strongly in prayer, a, a two-part word for us at Sanctuary, just specific for us this season. And uh, we're going to call this a Christmas letter from God. We're going to talk about hope and a future. But uh, let's pray this morning. Father, Lord, we just exalt your name. We do say glory in the highest. We thank you for your strong presence here already this morning. And God, we just are excited about your good news through your son, Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray if there's anyone here that is feeling a sense of despair or hopelessness or loneliness. Father, if there's those that are going through uh, the religious motions just trying to get by, trying to get through, but internally, Lord, they've been asking questions. They've been wondering why, Lord, they've felt this way, why the situations in their life has happened this way. God, I pray today that you would just speak Holy Spirit into the depths of their heart. God, an encouraging word, Lord, that would build their hope up, their faith up, and let them see the love of God in a new way, Lord, this season. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. You know, it said that over two million, or sorry, two billion Christmas cards are sent every year in the United States. And maybe uh, you're getting those cards even now. Maybe you're sending those cards out with your Christmas photos. You're getting those in and you, those uh, long away, those far off loved ones are sending them to you. But what would it be like this morning if God sent us a Christmas card? If in the mail you got a Christmas card and it said, from the Lord, what would it say to you in your your situation today. Uh, I believe this morning God's got a specific message for those who are ready for a change in their life or looking for that out. Maybe you've been thinking that nobody really knows what I'm going through but God, uh, and I don't even know if he even cares, or I don't even know if he's even there with me, or maybe today you're not satisfied with uh, life or churchianity or religion as it is, or maybe you've been in a situation for a while that hasn't changed, and it doesn't look like there's going to be a change in sight, whether it be a troubled marriage or a troubled family. Uh, maybe it's financial situation, an emotional situation, or it's just maybe that isolation, that loneliness, of, or maybe even regret. And some, perhaps, it's that pain of your past that keeps coming back up and lingering in your life. And it's in times like this we can kind of lack perspective we can get lost and wonder in our own thoughts. We can kind of mull a lot of things over, and we can get caught up in all of that. So this morning, we're asking the question, how do I survive if my circumstance doesn't change? How do I live in this? If this is where my life is, and this is the things I'm going through, and the feelings I'm feeling, they're real, they're valid, there are things that have happened to me in my life, there are things that I've done even myself that have caused pain, or maybe there are things that people have done to me that has caused pain. But if this is where I'm at, how do I live in the goodness and the glory of God? How do I have hope in a time of hopelessness? And I have good news for you today. Uh, if you're discouraged, if that, any of that sounds like you, the word of the Lord says this in Jeremiah 31, 17, there is hope for your future. Turn to your neighbor and tell them there is hope for your future. There is hope for your future, says the Lord, for sorrow in him can turn to joy, depression can turn to dancing, poor can turn to plenty, barren can turn to blessing. Today you can be rich in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. In Jeremiah chapter 29, we're going to talk about a hope against hope. Let me tell you the, the setting here. In Jeremiah chapter 29 and in the surrounding chapters, we find God writes a letter 
to those who feel distant from him, to those who are cast out and they feel alone and isolated. The nation of Israel had gone their own way and kind of uh, rejected some of the words of God. And the situation uh, presented itself that where they were in was the consequences of their sin. And sometimes in life, we, we are all born sinners and there are consequences for our sin. We live in a sin-filled world. And for that, there's death and depression and disease and suffering. There's war and famine. All that is because we live in a sin-filled world. And Israel finds themselves cast out of their homeland into exile under the captivity of the enemy. And they begin to wonder. There's some words have been given, some prophetic words have said, well, God's going to come soon and your captivity is going to end. And all these actually false prophets begin to speak to them. And so God tells Jeremiah to send a letter to all the captives of Israel because he has a word for them in this season of hopelessness in their life. When will my situation end? When will my suffering end? When will my worry end? When will my uh, poverty end? When will all this come to uh, an end? And when will God bring deliverance to me? So God tells Jeremiah, and they begin to write this letter together. And God tells the people, he says, I want you to settle down where you are. That's not the word I want to hear, God. God, well, you told me deliverance. That's, you part of the Red Sea, God. You got us out of Egypt, God. But he says, I want you to settle down in your captivity and I want you to get comfortable. Ooh, that doesn't sound very good, God. It begins to go on. He says, I want you to not only just survive in this season, but in a sense, he begins to tell him, I want you to thrive. And I want you to pray blessing over this season. I want you to pray through this season. And you're thinking, well, God, OK, why? What's the purpose? He's writing to them and he's saying, I've got a purpose for you. I have not forgotten you I have not forsaken you, but at the right time, Everybody say the right time. At the right time, I'm going to do all the good things I've promised. And look in Jeremiah 29, verse 10. This is the context. And he says this. This is part of that letter. And he says, For thus saith the Lord, when 70 years have been completed for Babylon, I will visit you and fulfill my good word to you to bring you back to this place, back to the homeland of Israel. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Those are two words that should be underlined right there, a future and a hope. And then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I will restore your fortunes, and I will gather you from all the nations, from all the places where I've driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from where I sent you into exile." God begins to write this letter, and basically what he goes on in the next couple of chapters and verses, he says in some, he says basically this, I know what you're going through, I'm listening. You know, sometimes we have those moments where you're like, I, God, I don't know if we're, we're getting here, the reception's not very good, I need one of those old cell phones where I pull the antenna up and go stand on top of the roof or something. God, I, I don't know if we're getting through here, but he says, listen, I know you're in a hopeless place. I know what you're going through. I'm listening. I know you're oppressed, but guess what? I also know the plans I have for you, all right? I know what you're going through. I'm listening, and I feel you, but I also know what I'm going to do for you, especially to those who are seeking me with their whole hearts. 
And he says, there's coming a day when your captivity will end and I'll restore you and I'm going to pave the way for you to return. In a sense, he even goes on, he says, I'm going to remove the liars from your midst. I'm going to remove the pretenders from your midst and there'll be no opposition from the enemy. When I say it's time to come out of that season of your life, I'm going to pave the way and you're going to come walking in. Now, he tells them in this encouraging way, and he says, you know, there's going to be terror may come around you. In the last days, it may be dark, it may be glooming, but guess what? My people will be saved. Don't you know that's a good letter? That's a good letter. In this day and age where we live it today, we can live in a season of hopelessness. We can live in a season of regret and remorse. We live in a day where the evil seems to reign in the world today. But when God decides to pave a way for his church to come on up and high, we're going to be nothing stopping us. We're just going to go on up. Amen. And he says, uh, this word here is, is, and look at this letter. I want to say that it's all about hope. It's all about hope. You know, there's one thing you don't need when things are going well. That's hope. You don't need hope when things are going well. If I, I've got my bills paid, I'm, I'm emotionally sound, my marriage is great, my finances are good. Uh, what is hope? The, uh, one of the Bible dictionaries says this. It says, hope is the opposite of seeing and possessing. It's when we, uh, we need hope when we can't see the future ahead. The things around me are clouded. It's my mind is foggy. My emotions are foggy. Uh, my life is a mess. I don't see an out of the situation I'm in. And also, it's not just seeing the future. It's not possessing it. It's as if right now, I don't have what I need to get through life. I don't have the emotional stability, the finances, the resources. I don't have enough gumption to get through my life, and I'm ready just to quit. And it's that season that you need something supernatural from God, and it's called hope. Amen. It's called hope. When I can't see it and I don't have it, uh, I'm looking for something, and that's hope. God said it would be 70 years of exile, and their condition wouldn't change. But he would give them something, meanwhile, of extreme importance. God was giving them hope in a hopeless time. So the value of hope from God is, 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 is something supernatural. It's something amazing because sometimes I think in our life we're thinking, God, I want in this microwave mentality, God, I need a change right now. Father, I need a deliverance right now. I need a healing. I need a miracle. I need a restoration right now. But for Israel in this moment, he's saying, guess what? I, I know what you're going through. I hear you. But I have a plan in the season of hopelessness that, that you're in. And I just want to give you a little hope this morning that I know what you're going through. I know the plans I have for you. They're good plans. And I'm going to give you something. I'm going to remind you of the hope and of the future I have for you. Man, uh, sometimes though, it's like, God, I don't want to hear that. Lord, I want now, right? But sometimes God has a lesson for us in this season you mean, God, I've got to stay in this situation? Lord, that's not what I want to hear. Uh, man, in America, we love to find teachers and preachers that give us exactly what we want to hear. Uh, we love to find those, uh, the Bible says, itching ear, that we have those itching ears. It's those motivational pastors, those motivational speakers. And man, I'm here to give you hope today. Uh, but let me tell you, I'm not a motivational speaker. That's not, what they, that's not what my paycheck says on it. That's not what my nameplate says on it. Uh, we're here to hear the word of God today, amen? 
And, and, and sometimes we can find these motivational speakers, we can read these self-help books, we can even find friends that will give us all sorts of advice and counsel, which is all good. We can surround ourselves with words that make us feel cozy and warm for a moment, but let me tell you something, none of that can give you hope. You know why? Because the Bible is clear uh, that God is the true author and source of hope. Romans fifteen thirteen says he's, he's the author of it. He's the one who makes it. And Scripture tells us about a man named Abraham. And the Bible says he hoped against hope. Well, what does that mean? It means that Abraham had hope when there was no reason to hope. It didn't look like a situation would pan out. It didn't, wasn't certain that this is where God was taking me. I'm not quite sure. I've never been there before. I can't have any children. I'm in a barren land. I'm going to a place I've never seen before. So my situation right now is not great. I don't exactly know what the future holds for me, but I'm hoping against all reason for hope. I have hope in a season when there's no reason to hope at all. Are you with me this morning? And it says, uh, Paul says he hoped against hope in Romans 4.18. And what is it that he hoped in? That he had a word from God. And he held on to that word. And it was because of that word from God that in a season of hopelessness, he hoped against all reason for hope. Amen? How many people have the word of God to hope on today? So now we find Israel, they're living in the consequence of their sin, they're, they're dis- uh, disciplined by God, their Father in heaven, and they're wondering, what if my situation doesn't change? God, how can I live like this? Lord, how long is it going to be that I have to live in this, 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 uh, this blah around my mind? Anybody ever been in that season where you just everything is just blah, and everything that you see is blah, and you can't even see, smile and sing a song, and it's just like... You know, God, I just don't feel right. You know, I just don't have it. There's something there. And I see, I can see people worship. I can see people be happy. I can look at other people's Christmas photos. I can watch the Facebooks where everybody looks perfect and everybody's pretty and everybody's got white teeth. You know, we put the best pictures on there. It makes us all look like, oh, Lord, I need to get my teeth whitened. I need to lose 10 pounds. I need to get a better suit. You know, and we watch that. It's like, I don't, I just don't have it. And you can't fake it. You can fake it for a while, but then it's just going to fade off. And when you go home, you know that there's just something. It's like, man, God, it just, we're not clicking. It's like there, there's a timing issue here off with me. And it doesn't matter what people say around you, how much good Christmas movies you could watch, or how many uh, warm, fuzzy feelings could you surround yourself with. Uh, if our situation doesn't change, you're thinking, God, I just, I don't know. Lord, there's something not right. Look in Jeremiah 30, verse 8. God continues this letter in this season of their life, and he kind of wraps it up in a way like this. And he says, For in that day, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I'll break the yoke from their necks. I'll snap their chains. Foreigners will no longer be their masters, for my people will serve the Lord their God. And listen to this. And their king will descend from David, the king I will raise up for them. The last... Uh, this message goes on for this, these couple chapters, but in this last part of this message, he says, I'm going, I'm, I'm get, I know what you're going through, and I, I know the plans I have for you, though, so remember that, and I know I'm going to give you, just know this, I'm giving you hope now, I'm going to give you a future, and guess what? I'm going to send you someone. I'm going to send you someone. And let's fast forward a little bit. There was a day where hope was born to us, And we fast forward and we find ourselves in the first century in almost the same situation. We find a group of devout Jews in the middle of a war-torn country. 
And, and Rome is in charge of them. And we find that the priesthood has become uh, uh, corrupted. There's paganism in the house of God. There's corruption that priests are being bought off by Rome uh, in the house of God. And there's a, there's a revival movement that's trying to take place, but it's so off base and religious. It's called the Pharisees. They're trying to bring people back to the Bible because so many people are, are falling away from God. And it's a dark and hopeless day, and God has not spoken in 400 years. Yet there, we narrow in on a group of devout people who held on to the word of God in a hopeless and dark day. And one of those people, uh, uh, one couple of those people, we'll call them Zechariah and, and Elizabeth. And Zechariah and Elizabeth, they, they even had even more reason to be hopeless. Man, Zechariah, is, is, he's, he's trying to do a job with other guys who aren't really all into God. And he's righteous and he's holy and he's praying and he's faithful. But yet all around him he sees just depravity and corruption. And people going through the motions in his church. We call it a church, the temple. And then we see Elizabeth, his wife, they're up in years, and they have had no reason to hope because she's been barren. Now she's up in age. She can't have children. So here we have living in a hopeless day with hopeless people in a hopeless country with hopeless situation, a husband and wife who've got no reason to hope. But yet they stayed true to God's word, and they held on when there was no reason to hope. And so one day, Zacharias is ministering in the temple, and it just happened to be his lot And this angel, let's just say this angel brings him a little message, a letter from God, a little Christmas letter, that he a little message from from God. And he appears to Zacharias in the temple in Luke 1, verse 13. You can turn there if you want. Luke 1, 13 says, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. You'll give him the name John. You'll have joy. Everybody say joy. And gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. He'll be great in the sight of the Lord. He'll drink no wine nor liquor, and he'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yet while in his mother's womb, he'll turn many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It's he who will go as a forerunner before him, before him meaning the Messiah, in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous as to make, make ready a people prepared for the Lord." John would go and prepare the way for this king of Jeremiah. And the angel said to Zechariah, man, this is good news. I'm bringing you something to be joyful and, 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 and glad about. And many going to rejoice, and this is good news, because I'm not only telling you in this passage, I'm not only telling you that you're, you're going to have a son, I'm telling you that he's coming. He's coming. The hope of the world is coming. And then what does Zechariah? He's like, well, how do I really know this is going to happen? Boy, I ought to slap you. That's probably what the, the ghetto version of the lang- angel would have said. But in that moment, he says, because you've re- you haven't believed me, you're going to be mute. And he would be mute until his son was born, and they would name him John. You know, sometimes uh, we have to birth belief in our hearts. Sometimes in this season of hopelessness, and even for Zacharias is a man who's, who's tried to hold on to the word of God, but then when God says, hey, deliverance is coming, we don't really ready to receive it because we've kind of believed it but yet when it's here it's like well is this it i don't i mean how do i know if this is it i've been in this situation for so long god i'm zechariah he's 70 80 years old whatever and he's like uh i've lived this way so long i've gotten used to it anybody know what i'm talking about this morning sometimes we can live that way for so long when god's goodness comes it's like 
I don't really recognize this. Is this for real? Are you sure, God? Is this really? I'm, I mean, I'm settled down in like my hopeless state. I've kind of enjoyed this hopeless blanket I got on. It's kind of gotten comfortable to me. I, I've learned how to wear my sorrows. I've learned how to wear my mourning. I've learned how to wear standing up against the grain. I've learned how to keep a chip on my shoulder and guard my heart. But God, I don't, I don't know how to receive goodness now when it comes. Whew. Right? You know what I'm talking about this morning? And so... Zacharias had to birth some belief. And in a way, just as his wife would carry that child for those nine months and birth John, Zacharias, on the other hand, had to be quiet. And he had to see God grow something, not just in his wife, but in him. And I believe that during that that nine-month period, in him, he was saying, I see God beginning to work on my situation. And sometimes it's like that same way in our life. Sometimes we just need to be quiet and rest and meditate in God and watch God begin to restore some things in our life that we have been so used to for, I'm preaching now, so used to for so many people and so many times. We say, God, I want to see your goodness again. God, I want to feel your spirit again. God, I want to sense your joy and your gladness again. And Lord, I'm going back to your word. I'm believing what you've told me. I'm believing on the word of God. There is goodness in this king. There is hope in this king. And so, God, now I'm going to just be quiet. And I'm going to, Lord, I'm going to watch you grow my situation. Because not every promise of God comes in an instant. Not everything God is going to do in your life is going to come in a moment's notice. Sometimes God wants to birth faith in your life. He wants to grow you through that season of hopelessness. And so we have to say, God, okay, like Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, and we only know in part, but one day we'll know fully. But here's what he says, But for now, I'm waiting I know there's something beyond. I don't know what it is yet. I kind of got a glimpse of it. It's kind of foggy. But what I know is I have something right now. And what I have from the Lord right now is three things. They're gifts, and they are faith, hope, and love. You see, there's some Christmas gifts. Maybe God wants to give you this Christmas with his son, Jesus Christ. And they are faith, hope, and love. But what is it about these three, as I begin to think about it, you know, the Bible says in Hebrews that faith is what? It's the, uh, the earnest expectation of what we hoped for will happen, right? What am I hoping for? I'm hoping that the love of God that was promised through Jesus Christ is sure that he came once, he's coming again, that God's love is for me, not against me, it's for the love of the world. He died on the cross and sent his son for me, right? So I've got love over here. That's the word of God. God made a promise of his love for you and for me, right? Amen. Amen. I got that love. That's his promise, his word. It's never going to be broken. His love is for you. But then there's faith and faith is the earnest expectation, the belief of what I hoped for. What am I hoping for? I'm hoping for the love of God. So for me to have faith, get this, for you to have faith, you first have to have hope. We have to have hope. I, I believe that God is going to do something good on my behalf and I'm Hoping for it. See, faith and hope kind of work together that way. And so even when Jesus, you know, several times in the Gospels, you know what? Jesus comes up to some blind people and he says, well, what do you really want me to do for you? 
well, don't you know I'm blind? You know what I mean? No, no, no. He's like, what do you want me to do for you? See, they had to have something that they wanted from God. They had to recognize their situation and believe that God could do something. But Jesus is standing there and he says, well, what do you want me to do for you? You see, that hope is that time where we begin to pronounce God. Oh, I'm defining, Lord, your word in my life. I'm defining. I believe in it. I have a hope for it and I believe you can do it. I believe that there's something, Lord, that you've given me, and I'm hoping for some change in my life. So faith is the confident expectation of what we hope for. And if there, so there is hope which births faith in God's love. It would be six months later, and Jeremiah's letter would be fulfilled, and God would raise up a king for them through the line of David. And just as prophesied, that baby would be born uh, uh, in Bethlehem, and he'd be a, a citizen of Nazareth. And uh, that day, hope was born. In every case, these faithful followers rejoice at Christ's birth. You think about from Mary to Elizabeth to the shepherds to the wise men who came. And they're rejoicing. And this is the word for me that I really felt from the Lord this, this week. They begin to rejoice in this baby. All right? Here's all these people. And all this word, a word from, Zech, uh, from the prophets of old that he would come. And then there's this word from the angels to the shepherds and the angels to Zechariah and the angel to Mary and Joseph. Uh, and Joseph got all these visions and stuff. And they get all this. And here it is. This baby is born. And all of a sudden, they all start rejoicing, filled with the Holy Spirit, prophesying. 400 years of silence ends and the Holy Spirit descends. And man, there is just revival in their hearts. Why? Rome was still in power. The priesthood's still corrupt. They're still poor. They're still outcasts. Nobody in the world really knows what happened. Nobody really knows in the world angels descended. Nobody really knows uh, for the global perspective of the world, nothing ever changed. Another day went on. Another time went on. It was just some forgotten town, for some forgotten city, some little stable in the backwoods, some little baby. That baby hadn't done nothing yet. He had, that baby couldn't didn't call down fire from heaven. That baby didn't conquer Rome. That baby didn't silence the priesthood. That baby didn't save a single person on that day. And yet they were rejoicing, hoping against hope. What is it about Jesus? Sometimes we were like, Lord, the baby's here. Let's go. Boom. Shake the nations. Let the fire come down. Start it over, Lord. Do something crazy. 33 years would go by. You know, there was even a man named Simeon in the, in the temple. And Simeon, they bring in eight days old, they bring baby Jesus in there. Here's this little baby. He's done nothing yet. And he gets this baby and he says, Lord, I've been praying for redemption. I've been praying for your day to come, that day of salvation. Lord, you said I wouldn't die before I saw it. And he began to rejoice and he prayed over this baby. And he's like, now I can die. Why? He can die with hope. Never seeing anything happened. He was up in years and he would die with hope, with his situation the same. That's the power of hoping in Jesus. You know, it doesn't matter if our situations change. It doesn't matter if the nations bow down and worship God. It doesn't matter if that sickness in my body ends. It doesn't matter if my marriage gets fixed. It doesn't matter. And all those are great things and they're going to happen because God has a plan and He has a future. But right now... I can still hope in Jesus. No matter if my situation changes or not, I can still 
have hope. Because why? What were they in? What were they hoping in? Hope was alive because it was living in that baby. Do you have a living hope today? In a world that seems dead and dark, what makes us different when circumstances don't change is that we have a living hope. A living hope. Hope was living in that baby, and I pray hope today is living in you. The Bible says that when Simeon saw that baby, he said, God, he is a light to reveal God to the nation. He is the glory of your people, Israel. He never saw any of that, but he knew hope was alive. In the hardest times of our life, it is very easy to lose perspective. It's very easy to wonder in our own thoughts. It's really easy for the darkness of this world to become darkness in our mind, to become captive to our depression, to let that negativity run our mouth. It's easy to feel like giving up. It's easy when we feel like we're forsaken, we're outcast, we're forgotten, we're abandoned. But let me tell you, even if your situation hasn't changed, today hope is alive. Hope is alive. You can hope when there is no reason for it. I'm going to give you four things real quick that hope is, okay? This is a take home with you. Number one, hope is Jesus. Four things hope is. Number one, hope is Jesus. Hope is not based on an emotional hype. It is based on the Word of God, Jesus Christ, the Logos from God. And it's just like these faithful Jews. It it isn't in what they saw uh, that this child did. It was in who this child was and what he would do that they had hope in. And so maybe today it's not about what Jesus is doing in your life now, but maybe what he's going to do that you begin to survive the situation in hope-filled life because God had sent them a king. Jeremiah verse 30, 21 says that God would send you a king and that king would bring people closer to God. And today... That little baby is here in this room filling us with his spirit. Uh, His name is Jesus, and he is here today even in a hopeless situation. His spirit is in you, and he can draw you closer to the presence of God. And 1 Peter 1, verse 3 says that God in his mercy has caused us to be born again. Everybody say born again. To a living hope. God has caused you to be changed, renewed, refilled remade that in this day you are born again not to just get through life and just be blah 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 but to be born again to something living a living hope inside of you that your life should look different it should act different it should feel different because God has a good plan for you to give you hope for all there is no need to fear and Hebrews chapter 3 verse 19 says this that we have a hope that anchors the soul you know, there's an old song, The Anchor Holes, and many of us have probably heard it in this place. And that song was written uh, with the death of uh, that author's ch- children. You know, and it's that anchor that has to be Jesus Christ that anchors my soul in a place where despair, if, even if it comes in, the light of God shines out. That if, even if that worry and that doubt and the depression, even if the sin of my life tries to come back in my life, I say, God, no, I have a reason to hope. I have a reason to hold on. I have a reason to uh, praise you again because, Lord, I am anchored in Jesus Christ. And so when the weight of my sin bursts down, man, when the devil can come up and slander you, 
when your past comes up, Lord, to come back in your life again, when people slander you and speak all kinds of evil about you and lie about you, all of that can come into your life. And you say, God, but my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ, his righteousness. Amen. I mean, he, my hope is in him. How many people have an anchor in the storm today? Say amen. Number one, my hope is in Jesus. Number two, hope is spiritual. Hope's not this made-up thing. It's not this mental ideology. It's not something you can conjure up in yourself. It's not something you can read about enough or think about enough or be around people uh, who have it enough. It is something spiritual. Uh, And look with me in Romans chapter 15, verse 13, because this is very important this morning, that you have to understand that we cannot heal ourselves. Uh, You know, when you're hurting, the only person who can heal you into that deep place of your soul is God himself, the Holy Spirit. And this healing uh, is a hope birthed by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a supernatural change in us. And so hope is supernatural. In Romans chapter 15, verse 13, it kind of says it this way. Romans chapter 15, verse 13 in the New Living says, I pray that God, the source of hope, so God's the source, will fill you completely. Everybody say completely. So he's promised filling you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. So there's that faith. My hope is built in Jesus Christ. I'm trusting in him. Hope, faith, and love. I'm building my life on Jesus Christ. He's the foundation. Everything else comes off of that. He's my source. He's the one I'm building upon. And look what he says in the next sentence. Then you will, everybody say will, will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. God begins to, you begin to root your life in Jesus Christ. You begin to base your hope on Him, no matter if your situation changes or not. You become born again to a living hope. And then He says, I'm praying that something that's supposed to happen is going to happen in your life. He says, you're building your life. There's peace and joy and love and all this comes in because you built your life on the hope and the faith of Jesus Christ. And He says, then there comes the overflow. And that overflow is through the power of the Holy Spirit. How many people know we need the power of the Holy Spirit? Because it makes us where we're not living this life like a hypocrite, like fakely, that I can put a smile on on Sunday, but then I'm going to be frowning on Monday. That is, that is not real Christianity, okay? It's not where we go get a, a spiritual jump on Sunday night prayer service, and then we're draining all week long. No, no, that's not how the Holy Spirit works. You're not coming to get a quick fix with God. That's not how, this is not, this is not like drugs, okay? You don't just get a quick fix when you need Jesus and then, then have to wait till you crash and get another high again. That's not how God works. Yeah, we're emotional people. We're going to be up and down. That's normal. But what he says is, he's not just going to fill you with hope. He's going to begin to overflow you with hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So what does that tell me? Heath Harris, if you're ever lacking in hope, If you're lacking in the faith and the energy of God, you haven't spent time in the presence of the Holy Spirit. I haven't been living in the overflow in my prayer life. I haven't really been spending time with him to let him overflow me because the Bible says he's promised this. This is not an if-then statement. This is not a, oh, maybe, perhaps, if you pray hard enough, if I love you good enough, if I like your hair color that day, whatever. It's not about that. God is not, uh, he's no respecter of persons, right? But he's promised you and I to live in the overflow. 
I don't think you believe that this morning. He's promised you to live in the overflow of hope by His Holy Spirit. Amen? Are you filled completely? Are you overflowing? Hope is spiritual. It comes by the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. And there is not enough medication in this world. I believe in medication. I believe in psychology. I believe in counseling. But there is not enough of that in this world to fix the brokenness of our souls. There is a place where only the Holy Spirit can reach, only the Holy Spirit can mend, and only the Holy Spirit can continue to fill you and fill you and fill you and fill you. In a place of hopelessness, have you spent time in the presence of the Holy Spirit? Hope is Jesus. Hope is spiritual. Number three, hope is life-changing. Hope is not some abstract idea. It doesn't just come because we sing fast music. It doesn't come because we all come to church on a Sunday morning. It doesn't come because I pray 14 hours in a day. It changes, though, how I act in the now. It's not something that I, that I can make happen on my own, but because it's from the Holy Spirit, it, number three, is life-changing. Romans eight twenty four, 24, New Living says it this way. We were given this hope when we were saved. It's a gift. It's something from God given to the saved people. And if we, he says this, if we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. So what he's telling me there is this. Number one, in my life, God gives me a gift of hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. And in this season of my life, I am waiting for the full redemption of God. Lord, my body aches. Lord, life is not all that it should be. Lord, I'm tired. I'm weak. I'm weary. I'm troubled. Danger surrounds me. The enemy encamps around me. Lord, people are slandering me. All this kind of stuff. But yet he's saying, guess what? I know you. I know what you're going through. Guess what? I know the plans, though, I have for you. I'm going to do good things in your future. I'm going to bless you. There's going to come a day where you're going to walk the streets of gold. There's going to come a day where you're going to shout and dance forevermore. There's going to come a day where the peace of God will never end. And if you could just hold on to my hope for a little while, guess what? I'm coming back. Hallelujah. Hope is life-changing. It lets me wait patiently and confidently on God because I know He loves me through Jesus Christ. He sent His Son, so therefore I know God loves me. That is proof of God's love. And for that love, I can wait in hope and in faith. And hope, I can wait in it. And and hope, I can boast in it. I can hope and rejoice in it. I can hope and I can shout again. And you can try... Uh, you can think of it this way. If we were going to do an do a infomercial, if we were going to do a commercial, we would say this about the Christian life. Try our product brought to you by a little bit of hope. You know what I mean? That's what we would say. It's that we should be the most hope-filled, joyful people on the face of the earth. Because of Jesus Christ, you can have a better today brought to you by hope. And lastly is this. Hope is Jesus. Hope is spiritual. Hope is life-changing and close with this hope is for you hope is for you today say pastor i don't know i've never felt that way i've never had that that high in god i i've i i don't know how to get there i don't know what it's like i don't know what i gotta do you don't do anything 
You just receive God's free gifts in Jesus Christ through His Holy Spirit. This letter today from Jeremiah to the first century Jews to you today. It's a letter from God this Christmas to all those who need hope. And God has a plan to heal your wounds. He calls all the repentant and humble of heart to himself. And I close with this. Romans 15.10 says this. And again he says, this is his word for us today, church. And again he says, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. Gentiles means anybody who's not a Jew. So he's saying, rejoice, O nations, with God's people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. And again, Isaiah says this, there shall come from the root of Jesse and he who arises to rule over the Gentiles in him, the Gentiles shall hope. And he says it and closes this. Now may the God of all hope fill you with all joy and all peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit today. It is not something you can conjure up. It's not something I can talk to you about. I could talk your ear off today about it. But unless we're willing in a moment to spend time in the presence of God, and say, Lord, I know you, Jesus, are the source of my hope. God, I know that the, the way you give me that hope is through the power of the Holy Spirit when I begin to believe your word and believe and shut off the lies of the enemy, the lies of my past, the slander of the evil one. doesn't matter what my situation or my circumstance is. doesn't matter how hopeless it seems that I can have a hope when there seems to be no reason for hope because there is a little baby who came and that night in Bethlehem And despite never doing anything for those 33 years that would make anybody wonder in amazement, the faithful hearts, those who earnestly sought God, those who believed His Word, had hope. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I'm going to ask our worship team to come. And we're going to spend some time... We can't preach enough about hope to make it happen. It comes only through the Holy Spirit. And He's sovereign. He's in this place today. He's living in each one of you who call Jesus Christ Lord. And He's promised to let you live in the overflow, abounding in hope, that it will be life-changing. And maybe today you've been clouded and darkened in your mind. Maybe there's things in your heart and your life that have been troubling you, worrying you, causing doubt and fear and strife. Today, we're just going to rest in the Holy Spirit. I just want the worship team just to play something softly. And I want you just to allow the Holy Spirit, like Zacharias had to do. He had to allow a time to birth belief. What is God speaking to you today? Church, for I know the plans I have for you to give you a future and a hope. Holy Spirit, come in this place today. Renew our hearts with you. Make us born again, alive in Christ.